You know, the Apostle Paul is a pretty interesting case study in Scripture. Uh, If you would, uh, I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 8 here for a moment. But, you know, the first time we meet the Apostle Paul, he's simply Saul of Tarsus at the end of Acts chapter 7. You remember this, Stephen, uh, who is preaching, he's giving this great sermon through Acts chapter 7. Uh, you remember, he is actually martyred at the end of Acts chapter 7. He is stoned to death. And it says that, uh, they, that those who had stoned Stephen, they laid aside their robes at the feet of this man named Saul. Well, in Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 1, it says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentations over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, give, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He would put them into prison. This man was on a mission. Anyone who was uh, part of the way, uh, who was uh, following Jesus, he was ravaging. That word there means uh, you would use it to refer to a beast ripping or tearing apart its prey. That's what Saul was doing. He was going into the homes of Christians and ripping them out. He was throwing them in prison, men and women. Actually, if you turn to Acts chapter 26, when Paul's recounting uh, the third time his conversion story, he says this, and starting in verse 9. He says, so then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were bringing, being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Again, this man was on a mission. But look at Acts chapter 9 if you're in the book of Acts, starting in verse 1. Because here is that conversion story that we're so familiar with, but we're not going to go into it in detail. But in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And of course, this is Jesus. He tells us in verse 5, I am Jesus. I am the one you are persecuting. And Jesus is going to go on later to tell him that you're going you're gonna to be blinded for these three days, but you're also going to uh, wait for these three days until... Um, Uh, You run into this man by the name of Ananias, and God's even going to tell Ananias that uh, this man, Saul, is going to be a chosen instrument of mine. Well, this morning, think about Saul of Tarsus at that time. Have you ever wondered uh, when he was converted to Christianity, all the great preaching that he does? Do you think that he ever was haunted by the regrets that he had of persecuting the church? How did he live a life passionate for Jesus, preaching Jesus? This is the same guy that cast his votes against the Christians to put them to death. Was he ever haunted by his past? This morning, I want to deliver a message about a haunting. Now, this isn't about a haunted house or something that Hollywood would put on. 
But it's a haunting that you and I have probably all experienced in this life. A haunting of regret. You know, life happens, right? Life happens. You and I, uh, we, we wind up in places that we might never think of or situations that we might never think of. You know, we say could have, would have, should have. Uh, we often find ourselves asking those questions like, what could I have done differently? Or how could I have prevented this? Am I the one to blame? The, if only I hadn't said, or if only I would have spoken up. Or maybe we said, if only I hadn't done that, or if only I had done that. Well, this morning's lesson is helping to, or intending to help us to deal with our own regrets and also to equip us to help others as well. Think again. Did Paul ever lay awake at night thinking, why did I do those things? What was I thinking? Do you and I lie awake at night uh, remembering things in our past as well, past mistakes, past decisions, and being haunted with regret? So I'm going to give you four points here this morning, and then the lesson will be yours. But four things that I think can help us to overcome those haunting regrets that we may have in our lives. And number one is realize that you're not alone. You're not alone. You know, sometimes we think we're the only one. Right? We, we, we look so put together. We come into church in our Sunday best, and we've got a smile on our face. Uh, but in our heads, you know, there might be a lot of things going on this morning. Uh, we might be having relationship problems or problems with our children or our job or even our faith. But we put a smile on and we tell everyone we're doing great. You know, we're doing good. Well, why? Well, because it's like everyone else is uh, under control in their lives, right? We, we see everyone else uh, saying that they're okay, they're doing good, and so we do that in return. You know, their, their marriages seem great. Their, their children seem well-behaved. Or, or they seem to be strong in the faith. And so we wonder, am I the only one struggling this morning? I must be the only one struggling this morning. But here's, here's a newsflash. You're not. Right? No, you're not. We've all experienced well, how do I know that? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, the Bible says that we are all sinners, right? And because we live in this fallen world, we are prone to live with regret because of the lives that we live or the, the, in the world that we live in. You know, there's a man in the Old Testament uh, we might remember uh, by the name of Esau, the twin brother uh, of Jacob. And you remember when Esau was born? And, was, and then shortly after that, there's the account there in Genesis about him, uh, you know, coming back to the camp and he's famished, he's hungry. And remember what he does? He trades his birthright for that bowl of soup. Right? Esau being the oldest son, he had two thirds of the inheritance uh, in his possession. Uh, but, but because he was so hungry and so famished at that time, he, he traded it all the way for a bowl of soup. You know, once that bowl was empty, what do you think Esau was going through? You know, that wasn't smart, or I should have waited a little longer. You know, he probably had instant regret at that moment. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 and 17, it tells us that he sought repentance, but he couldn't find it. You know, he wanted to change that situation so badly. He wanted to change that foolish mistake that he had made, but he simply could not do it. And he lived with that regret the rest of his life. Have you made decisions like Esau before? Before getting overwhelmed 
with your story, maybe we need to be reminded of other stories in Scripture. Because again, you're not alone. God says that these individuals were righteous. Lot, David, Peter. But don't you think Lot lived with regret? You remember Lot, again, in the book of Genesis, we're told that he pitched his tent near Sodom. And then finally, when we get to Genesis chapter 18 and 19, we're learning that he's, you know, he's at the city gates. Uh, He's in the midst of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember what happened to his wife because of that incident? She turned into that pillar of salt. He lost his wife because he had pitched his tent towards Sodom. Remember his daughters shortly after that. Uh, Maybe it was because a lot of people think because uh, they saw Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed uh, as they were racing out of there, that maybe they were the only ones left on the earth. Do you remember what Lot did shortly after that, how how his daughters got him drunk and uh, had relations with him and had children through him? Again, don't you think those are some things that he regretted in his life? But again, Lot is mentioned in the New Testament as a righteous man. He made mistakes. And they probably haunted him, but he was a righteous man. Think of David as well. David in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we probably remember him most for uh, his uh, adultery with Bathsheba. And remember, he covers this up by uh, having Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed in action in battle. And it says later on in 1 Kings chapter 15 verse 5 that David was a righteous man. Uh, He followed the Lord in everything. Except, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. Do you think that that played in David's head uh, night after night? How many people did I harm? How many people died because of those actions? Uh, You get that sort of sense when you read through many of the Psalms that he wrote uh, about that, uh, that account. And also Peter. You know, we talked about Peter a couple of weeks ago. How he told Jesus, I am willing to go to prison for you. I am willing to die for you. But then shortly after, he denies him those three times. And again, when Jesus gives Peter that look, right? That must have been a haunting look that Peter saw that Jesus gave to him when that rooster crowed. When when he denied him those three times. Great heroes had regrets that could have haunted them until the day they died. You too. You and I have had those haunting regrets too, those mistakes. We're not alone in it this morning. It includes the best of them in Scripture, and it includes the best of us this morning. So number one, realize that you're not alone. Number two, we need to stop living in the past. Right? Uh, when you're a Christian, you're not that person anymore. Notice what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 13. Paul records... Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a lot of baggage. We've already gone through a lot of that this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he explains to those in Corinth that... Uh, that You know, he's the least of the apostles. He doesn't even consider him to be one of the apostles. He's not fit to be called one of them. And Paul says here in Philippians, I have to get past my past. I got to leave those things behind. If you remember the context of Philippians chapter 3, he's talking about all the great accomplishments he's had in Christ, or excuse me, in Judaism. How he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. uh, How he was circumcised on the eighth day. All of these great things. 
But when he learned of Christ, when he learned of Jesus, he threw aside all of those things. And now, now he's got to press on for Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17, Paul says those who become Christians, depending on your translations, are new creatures or new creations. Again, there's a newness about that. Stop living in the past, Paul says, because you are now a new creation. And if you're here this morning and you said, well, I put on Christ in baptism, I've become a Christian, but I'm still haunted with some things in my past. Maybe you haven't come to grips with those things. Don't let the mistakes of your past rob you of the productivity of your present. You know, could the reason why those things still haunt you is because maybe you haven't come clean with them yet? You know, might we need to look at those situations and repent if repentance is needed or, or forgive where forgiven is needed? Have you gone to God and got down on your knees and said, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me? Or have you ever said to a brother or sister, I've made a mistake, please, please forgive me? Again, get rid of our pride and be humble and ask for forgiveness because it helps and it goes a long way. Again, Paul says that you need to stop living in the past. You need to get past your past. If you're living with haunted regret, again, realize that you're not alone and stop living in the past. Number three, accept your place in life. Does plan A always work out? You know, sometimes plan A doesn't always work out. You know what we have in store for our own lives? You know, you may never get that job that you dreamed of or you have that life that you dreamed of. You might not live in the location that you uh, want to. Maybe you don't have the relationship that you wanted and you can't change these things, but you can accept it and make good of it. Right. Is God so small that he can't look down on us and do good with plan B in our lives? You know, let's give an example. Say you pray for a job opportunity and you end up having two offers. You know, you're praying to God, please open up doors for me. And he opens up that door providentially for you. But you have two offers, right? Which one is the one God wants you to have? Well, you don't know, right? We don't know how God's providence works in our lives. But you select the one that you believe would be a best fit for you. And maybe that's not the one that God opened up the door for. You think God in heaven saying, man, you really screwed that up. Right? You, you, you didn't pick the one that I had in place for you. you. You've ruined everything. I had it all perfectly set up for you and, and you blew it. You think God uh, would be up in heaven saying that? What if I make those wrong decisions? Can't God make good of our other decisions in our lives? You know, the plan B's and the C's. Again, Paul says, make good of where you are. Alexander Graham Bell is often quoted as saying, when one door opens, another door closes. You know, we've heard that before, but did you realize there's uh, more to that statement than just that? When one door closes, another door opens. But he also says, but we so often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that's opened for us. And isn't that true this morning? Uh, we're, we, we concentrate so much on that door that's closed that we often don't even see those that are around us that are open, that God has opened. You know, God reminded them in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27 uh, of the Israelites. He told them, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. 
is anything too difficult for me? He had to remind the people there and ask them, is anything too difficult for me? I'm the Lord. Wake up. Look at me. This is who I am. Yet we tend to want to sulk in the haunting of our regret. But God says, I am the Lord. You have reason to lift your head this morning. You don't have that job you like? Make good of it uh, with what you have now, right? God's hands aren't tied by our life decisions. And his great power and providence can put us in situations to glorify him. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe you've seen it on a wall somewhere, on a poster. But it's often referred to as the serenity prayer. Now, this is a prayer that was written by a man a couple hundred years ago. But, but this is what it says. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And again, uh, that was written by a man, but there are some great truths in that. Listen to it again. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and wisdom to know the difference. See, we can glorify God in this life anyways. Uh, Even if we're on plan B or C or D, God can make good of it and accept it and let God work through you in it. If you have haunting regret this morning, realize that you're not alone. Stop living in the past. Accept your place in this life. And then finally, learn from your mistakes and move forward. There's a country song that was written about 20 years ago called Two Teardrops. Have you heard of this? I don't think it got really that big, uh, but maybe you've heard of it. But uh, as you listen to the song, it's about these two teardrops. They're floating down a river. And one of them says, well, you know, I'm a tear of joy. You know, I was just wiped off of, of a woman who got married and she's so very happy and she didn't need me anymore. So she just discarded me. And now I'm floating down this river. And she later meets up with this other tear who says, well, listen, we've sort of got a connection because I'm the tear of the man uh, that uh, she rejected from her past. You know, he was hoping to marry her one day, but she chose the other man. And so these two teardrops are floating down the river. And then the song continues on and talks about how last night they, they were in the waiting room. They were in this waiting room in the ER and the nurse told this one man that Congratulations. You have a healthy, beautiful baby girl and a tear starts to roll down his eye. But then there's a man who's sitting 10 feet away who had just lost his wife and a tear was rolling down his eye as well. And as the song goes, uh, they both wipe away their tears, those two teardrops. And that song is all about perspective in life. You know, there are worse things than the haunting guilt that you and I have when uh, that we're dealing with. Right? If, you, if we just open our eyes and look to the things that are around us, things that other people are going through, we would notice that maybe our situation is not as bad as we seem. Uh, learn from those instances, learn from those mistakes, gain that wisdom, you know, let it go and move forward. The Proverbs writer Solomon, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he wrote this. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than the fine gold. You know, he says, if you find wisdom, you will be blessed. There's no shame this morning in saying, you know, I'm wiser today because of those mistakes I learned in the past. 
Matter of fact, the, the, the Proverbs writer here says it's more valuable than silver and gold. Those life lessons that we learn, they are more valuable than silver and gold. Again, remember what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Press on, press on. My life plans maybe seem messed up. Uh, where am I going? I don't know. But God is big enough to redeem me. I need to give him my best and to give him glory. Again, with my plan B or C or D, nothing is too far for him. Again, there is no shame in confessing our mistakes here this morning. It means you're wiser today than you used to be. You know, Solomon even said that in Proverbs 28, verse 13. He says, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Do you have haunting regret this morning? Again, I hope these four points will help you. Realize that you're not alone. Stop living in the past. Accept your place in life. Learn from your mistakes and move forward. John Greenleaf uh, Whittier wrote a, a poem back in 1856 called Maud Muller. Uh, maybe you're familiar with this. Uh, there's a line in it that I'm going to read here in a moment that uh, it's really it's known for, it's famous for. But in this poem, it talks about how one day Maud, she's out in the field. She's working on a farm. She lives on the family farm. And a rich judge uh, comes through uh, her property on horseback and asks for some water for the horse and for himself. And so they start talking to each other. They're, they're sort of smitten with one another. And as he's talking to her, you know, she's pondering in the back of her mind, you know, what would it be to be the wife of a famous rich judge? You know, and she's thinking about that. But on the other end, he's thinking about, well, what would it be like to live life as a farmer, to, to live a, a simpler type of life? You know, they're thinking about all these things, but neither of them voice their opinion and they go on to their business. And as this poem mentions, life goes on for both of them. The judge is going to marry a woman of wealth, uh, really based on his riches, not because of love. And then she's going to marry another farmer and they're going to have, you know, six, seven kids and raise them on a farm. But throughout this poem, they're reflecting on the rest of their lives. And the line that is often remembered from this poem Uh, that maybe you're familiar with are these words. For of all the sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. It might have been. See, the power of regret can consume a person and destroy their lives. Think think of Judas Iscariot uh, at the time when he um, realized what he had done. Think of what he went through. But instead... Uh, don't let your past haunt you, right? Do we have those uh, haunting regrets? Well, yes, of course. Should we let poor or misfortunate decisions ruin our lives? Of course not. Instead, let's motivate us to greater heights of commitment and service and not hold us down to press us down with those weights. See, again, because we can wallow in misery and be haunted by those mistakes or we can come clean to God And ask for forgiveness. Forgive me, God. I know God can make good of my situation. Again, you're not alone. Stop living in the past, Paul says. Accept it, learn, and move forward. But this morning, don't let the biggest regret this morning be that you leave here this morning without becoming a Christian. This morning, we know that the Bible tells us to become a Christian. We must hear the word of God, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, repent of our sins, 
confess him as Lord and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And at that point, the Lord will add you to his church. Uh, you'll, you'll be a babe in Christ, but that's good because you start growing. You start maturing in Christ. And, and we would love the opportunity if there's anyone here this morning who's ready to put Christ on in baptism or would like to study, would like to know more about the scriptures. We would love the opportunity to, to talk to you about that. Or this morning, uh, maybe um, you're... Uh, a faithful Christian this morning, but you need to ask for prayers for the congregation. Uh, maybe this morning you need uh, for, to ask for forgiveness. Again, uh, don't have regrets uh, as you leave here this morning, uh, or, or haunting regrets, uh, as a matter of fact. But this morning, if we can help you uh, in any way as we offer up this invitation song, let us know as together we stand.